You're listening to a Toad Network production, putting heroes on trial because someone has to. I'm Sono, joining in for uh, some comments on the first episode of Sailor Moon Crystal. I'm excited to be here. This is very exciting for me. And I am uh, Amit, uh, and you are listening to Moonspeak. This is my first Magical Girl show, and if you are a veteran of the Sailor Moon franchise like Sono is, um, Crystal should be a new experience for you too. So prepare yourself to be enchanted as we delve deep into each act. For those of you not in the know, Sailor Moon Crystal... Uh, we'll be airing every first and third Saturday for a year, approximately. Uh, the plan is to have 26 episodes, and they are available for free with English subtitles as well in, as well as in 10 other languages, I believe. Uh, I don't know if it's 10 including li- English or a, a total it's of 12 a, languages. It's a lot, though. They're making it available to as many people as they can. Right, and if you have access to uh, Crunchyroll or Hulu, uh, you should be able to get it. So, that's pretty cool. You can definitely get it on Crunchyroll without an account there. Because I have no account there, and that's where I watched it. So they're making that free for everyone. Yeah, and, th- and that's really nice of them. Um, I mean, it's going to be a smash hit, so I'm sure the ad revenue and everything will be fine for all the interested parties. Yeah, I think for simulcast, it may be um, people without an account may get kicked out if there's too many people, but even watching it afterwards... It's available to everyone for free. Uh, so, uh, delving first into the meat and veggies uh, of the show, so we'll be discussing fundamentals of the show, art, characterization, mythology, pacing, all that kind of stuff. So my first uh, comment is that the uh, art is lovely, it's engaging, innocent, and elegant, except uh, for the sultry baddie. Uh, I don't think the mangaka Takeuchi is saying something bad about women and their sexuality, but perhaps uh, when the... Uh, creature unleashed her full power, tapped into a truth about the complexity of humanity and the spectrum of emotions. Uh, Naoko is a hundred percent about things be- being very light and elegant and beautiful. That's very much her aesthetic, especially within Sailor Moon. Uh, but I can assure you she would never, ever comment negatively on women, on their sexuality. Sailor Moon is very much an empowering thing. Uh, and Sailor Moon, in, in its original form, in the original manga, in the original anime, it was very, very progressive for its time. Uh, not to give too much away about what's coming uh, for people who aren't familiar with it, but Sailor Moon brings together a broad spectrum of all kinds of women, varying lifestyles, sexualities, ways they choose to present themselves, hobbies, all sorts of things that they like, and no one that I can remember is really ever shamed for it. Uh, overall, in the original anime, there are a couple episodes that are a little weird and problematic, and and you can't really overlook that, but that's really not Naoko's vision. Uh, she's very, very female positive, regardless of what female means to any girl. So by the baddie, I assume you mean the monster of the week, uh, who I believe in the original anime was given the name Morga. But in uh, Crystal, and I think in the original manga, she just went unnamed. 
Um, I think that what she's doing is a little less complicated uh, than all of that. You can kind of read into her nature of exploiting uh, women and liking jewelry, but as far as villain plots in Sailor Moon go, it's very, very straightforward. She's just taking energy through these gems and giving it to the overall bad guys. And I don't think she really has any feelings on what any specific emotions are. She's just kind of doing what she does. Even within the origin- the context of the manga, she's just like, I'm going to take this energy and maybe I'll steal some of these jewels too. And as later in the series, even in the next couple of arcs, we get villains who go into much more emotionally complex plots and really go after specific things in people. Okay, well, that's, um, that's certainly acceptable. Uh, like, you know, a couple of reasons it's old, and it's the first villain, so yeah, it's I, not like you can expect top-notch stuff. Yeah, and I, th- I think originally Naoko may have intended it to only be the one chapter. This was She originally had intended kind of a one-shot, mm. so that may also have something to do with it. I could be wrong about that, though, but I think I remember reading that somewhere. Okay, well, either way, it's an interesting thought. Uh, okay, and then um, I feel like this is a uh, a journey that I'm going to be going on in Usagi's shoes. Uh, she doesn't have the upper hand in this world at all, uh, much like the viewer, which is something I really like. Um, I went ahead and read some people's uh, reviews and complaints and things like that, and these were old fans who um, like see the show as not vapid, but you know, a light thing, and it's not too serious. And there were Across, I think, three or four different uh, reviews, there was the complaint that she's whiny and, you know, kind of useless. And I didn't really pick that up, or I wasn't really bothered by any whininess in her, so... That's um, a really weird complaint from old fans, because she's always been that way. (laughs) Right. She says it herself, that she's a huge crybaby. That's how she chooses to introduce herself across pretty much every incarnation. I believe. Um, I'm really only familiar with the manga, the original anime, and now Crystal. I haven't seen any of the live-action adaptations, but that's a fairly common trait for her. So she was... Her personality isn't really that different between any of those three incarnations. So for old fans, I think that's a really odd trait to be picking out. It it seemed weird to me, too, because... um... Like, you want a character to have room to grow, and if she has to be a crybaby a little bit to do that, then that's okay with me. And Usagi does grow over the course of the series. Uh, It's really a really beautiful character arc that she has, and that I'm hoping will really be as apparent in Crystal as it is in the other incarnations of her that I've seen. Um... Usagi is very much your typical 14-year-old girl. She she comes from a very a decent life, but you know, she she has her problems. And it's very much about her learning to put her best foot forward and about all of the girls learning to put their best foot forward no matter what their strength or their weakness is and learning to play off of each other that way. So it's it's very much 
like anyone, where you go into a completely new situation and you're kind of confused and a little helpless and you don't know what to do, but you've got a learning curve and you learn how to handle tough things. Uh, I'm I'm glad to hear that. Uh, it definitely, I mean, it seems like a show with a lot of heart and like it's going to go in some really interesting directions. So it's cool to hear that from you. You know, it's it's definitely very much about empowerment, and it really laid out that trope in Magical Girls. This is where all of that started. Yeah, I'm excited about this because uh, I get kind of the best of uh, both worlds, you could sort of say, because I've wanted to check something out like Sailor Moon or other Magical Girl shows, but... Um, like, it's awesome to know that this should be pretty good, and uh, I'm experiencing it for the first time, and I've I'm, I'm been really impressed by it so far. Uh, I even liked um, the... <laughs> I have a trouble reading the uh, English subs, but um, and, like, focusing on some of the stuff, like the voice work and, and the music and everything, but I really liked the, uh, the song, the opening song. Yeah, Moon Pride is really... I was kind of hesitant on it at first because I was a little disappointed they weren't sticking with the original uh, Moonlight Densetsu, just because that's so iconic to, that song is so iconic to the franchise. And I, I'll admit I have, uh, Moonlight Densetsu is used for the majority of the original anime until the last season when we get a new opening song that I'm very attached to and I was hoping we would get a newer, we would get updates on both. But seeing Moon Pride and really taking in the song and the visuals and what's said in it, I think it's a really beautiful and perfect opening for this new incarnation. Uh, there's a very recurring message that comes through that this is about the girls standing on their own. That's placed at the forefront without apology. Tuxedo Mask is a supporting character. He's not going to be coming to the rescue this is about these girls fighting for themselves. Uh, we're also using the girls in this song to show a really broad spectrum of emotion. Uh, we have Mercury crying in the beginning. Uh, all of the girls showing different, really serious emotions that is tied not only individually to each of them, but to the group as a whole. And I think that's really great. The song itself is very much powerful and triumphant. And I think that's a really great way to be going into this story instead of Moonlight Densetsu, which was very much about dreamy romance and longing and was a visual opening that was very weird and dreamlike. Yeah, I, I saw the first episode of the uh, original anime, and um, yeah, that is a really weird opening. I, I, I didn't even absorb the song very much, but just, you're right, it had a really odd dreamlike quality to it, um, like shapes transforming all over the place and, I don't know, shadows and str strange stuff. But Yeah, there's a lot of weird, uh, a really weird setting and all kinds of masks that are not really relevant to the show at all. So it, it it's a really weird opening going back and looking at it, even as accustomed to it as I am having watched this show forever. Right. 
Um, so, uh, speaking of the uh, animation of the old show, what did you think about the new show and how they kind of carried over the style um, and all that stuff? This is Crystal is very much closer to Naoko's visual style uh, than the original anime was. That was also very close, but this is drawing specifically on her style instead of taking that and then doing animation shortcuts because it was the mid-90s. But I feel like in some places the animation can be a little wooden. Uh, Specifically, uh, my mind jumps to when she runs into the jewelry shop and it's in this weird slow-mo and there's not a lot of motion to her body for such a dramatic moment. I think that also I wish that facial expressions had been pulled a little farther in some places, because they can be really expressive. In If you watch Moon Pride, there's a lot of different expressions going on, and they're great, but within the first episode, it's a lot of Usagi just staring at things without really reacting. There are some moments that are great. Her running to school, her reaction to uh, Umino telling her mother about the test. She does have some really great expressive moments, but in really in some of the moments where it would really count, it doesn't quite hit. Yeah, uh, once again, I'm glad you're around to talk about that because... Reading the subs distracts me so much because I'm such a slow reader that it's hard for me to capture all those. Um, I I hit or I got the broad sense of the action, but uh, having to look away for so many seconds at a time really kind of interrupted me. So I should definitely do a second and third watching if I can. Um, uh, but if you're ready, you want to move on to the little things. Oh uh, yeah, sounds. It's funny. There's there's more of this than uh the. There's there's a lot of little things to delve into in Sailor Moon. There's so many things that happen, especially within this first episode. And I think, uh, to kind of reiterate something I referred to earlier, um, one of the things is the characterization of Usagi. It's really cool to me that she isn't a supergirl. Uh, She isn't a great student. She wants complains about stuff, and she wants to become, or be anyone but herself. Um, But she knows... uh, she knows that that is true for herself, and that's a really good thing for the character. Um, she wants to be a princess or Sailor V just so she can escape her lot and uh, responsibilities in life, which is interesting. Yeah, this is really the best part of Usagi. She's the center of this show. She's our hero. She's the one we're supposed to connect with and really have as a role model. And when we're introduced to her, she's not even the littlest bit a hero. She's a normal girl. She's a below-average dreamer. She's her lot in life isn't really that bad. She has a her family loves her. Her mom is strict, but moms are strict. They want you to have good grades. And I mean, her family is clearly pretty well off. They have a big house. And Usagi has this chandelier in her room. They've got a driveway. They've got this, like, upstairs balcony. So her her lot in life isn't that bad. And she's got good friends. Uh, she's got Naru and Umino and these other two nameless girls. Aside from her bad grades, her life really isn't that tough. But she has all of these dreams of grandeur, as 14-year-old girls do. 
she wants to be rich and famous, do cool things and be pretty and popular. And she's really just kind of lazy and selfish, and she's laid the groundwork for that archetype, which comes up in a lot of future Magical Girl stories. Uh, let's see, uh, so her, her dream, um, that she has in the beginning of the episode, and I think maybe it recurs somewhere else, uh, maybe like two-thirds through? Okay. Right. Okay, and then, uh, it seems to hint at something that will develop later in the story. It could just be metaphorical, or it could be a vision of the future. It could kind of be both. Um, but it's definitely enticing. The the dream itself, I'm again, I don't want to give too much away for people who are just going into this, but it's a major, major facet of the story. And if you can, go back and make note of it and make note of details of it, because a lot of things that show up in it are actually information that were given for the very first time, like including the manga, including the old anime. This Her dream is taking a very spe- specific perspective that is really interesting as far as this story goes. And I'm actually pretty pleased that the team approached it this way, because this dream wasn't in the manga. They're choosing to introduce this plot point this way for the first time in Crystal. And I bet that's probably because when the anime was being made, the manga was still ongoing. Is that correct? Yes. Um, I think early on, uh, there was probably enough that it wasn't quite a thing, but they introduce this specific story uh, point slightly later in the anime because they build some things up first. Okay. Okay, uh, next thing uh, was that Usagi uh, didn't know how to use her powers at first, and she needed to be coached a bit, um, but she still had the cool catchphrase, which is kind of uh, ironic, um, but it made me laugh. Yeah, Usagi really laid the groundwork for this in Magical Girls, too. I mean, she's not the first Magical Girl by any means, but she's really the first that I've seen with that steep of a learning curve, where she really has this moment of hesitation in first transforming, in first uh, introducing herself, in first using the attacks. In the original anime, a lot of that was lessened slightly, but I like how they handled it here, where she's not quite sure of anything and has to consider it before really diving in uh, deep. Uh, yeah, in, in her first battle, she's not thinking as Sailor Moon, as she will as the story progresses. She's still thinking as Usagi. She's still... she Her first priority is, I've got to save Naru. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to handle it, but I have to do it because this is my friend. And it's really Luna kind of coming in and taking those steps to point her in the right direction. Yeah, speaking of Luna, who I, for some reason, didn't write any notes on, which is shocking, um, I am very interested to see just what in the world is going on with Luna. And, like, it's uh, interesting... Um, very attention-grabbing that this cat shows up <laughs> and, you know, has bandages on its uh, little crescent. And um, I think one of the things I liked a lot was the little comedic bit between them where Usagi kept saying that the crescent mark was a bald patch. And Luna seemed very offended by that. Um, 
I mean, but beyond that, it, it's really cool that uh, she's here to, like I said uh, before, like offer a little nudge uh, in the right edge. direction. Yeah, yeah, and, and like edge in edge Usagi into the fact that there is this world beyond what she beyond the mundane. Um, and it could have been done different ways, but I I like that Luna came in. Like the, she's... the original anime does actually handle it a bit differently. Uh, Usagi meets Luna as the little kids are attacking her and putting the band-aids on her instead of Usagi tripping over her. Okay. And it's a much more dramatic moment, I think, in the first anime, actually, where it's very much more from Luna's perspective. And it's very much about Luna realizing this is the person instead of Usagi having this moment of seeing the crescent mark on her forehead and having this sort of quiet moment of that's kind of familiar. Right. Yeah, that is what it seemed like. Yeah, so, I love I love Luna, personally. I've always loved Luna, and I'm curious to see just how much of her story will show up in Crystal, because she has a pretty interesting narrative. Okay, I was just about to ask about that, but okay, now we know. I saw some complaints about this, too, but I really liked the uh, cool transformation insert scene. I, I love the cosmic feeling it gives, kind of bottom line, and it just, it looks cool. Yeah, I'm... Again, this is a thing that I'm kind of surprised has gotten complaints from old fans. I mean, it's very much now, this is very much done in CGI, but it's such a throwback to the original sequence. There's so many notes of the original transformation that it's really such a love note. I mean, it's not the exact same sequence, but I feel like if you've been with the series for a long time, it should really evoke those old emotions. The first time I saw it, actually I think every time I've watched the episode, I've cried through it. So I'm like that thrill is still there. So I'm I'm not quite sure what people's complaints are. Yeah, I'm not sure either and I mean maybe they wanted them to go drastically different. I does in the original show, was it always like an insert scene, or did they do the common writer sort of thing where they transform, uh, like with the background included? No, it was always stock. It was always cutting away to stock footage, and they just okay. would use bits and pieces of it uh, as needed. Sometimes they would use the whole thing. Sometimes they would use shorter ones. Especially since this was the '90s, uh, they wanted to take as much time as they could. So if they needed to eat up seconds, they'd use the whole transformation scene, especially for multiple of the girls. Whereas if they had less time that they needed to fill, they would cut little bits or split screen and do all sorts of tricks with it. But it's always been that cutaway stock footage. Okay. And um, I can accept that. Just as a you know, Kamen Rider fan, I like, <laughs> I'd like it to be integrated, but whatever. Well, I mean, Amazon. Amazon's was always cut away. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, you're right. Some of the older ones, definitely. Uh, so, like, uh, <laughs> another funny thing that I really got a kick out of was the hair pieces of warning. Um, I'm sure there are better ways to do this, but um, does a watch or a plot contrivance satisfy more than these silly adornments making her aware of danger and calling her to act? I don't think so. Um, again, this is something that's been done in the first anime all the way back to the manga, 
And it's it's not something that really continues. Again, I think because maybe she thought this was going to be a one-shot and later found better ways to do this that were more uh, members of the team just kind of stumbling upon something happening or knowing a certain place might be attacked and staking it out and then gathering the rest of the team together. Because they do have methods of communication later once they all kind of group together. In practical application, it's really pretty silly, but since in this first arc, we have no other real way of her knowing something's going down at Osipi, that she needs to be alerted to it. So it, it serves its purpose for what it is. How do you feel about them integrating new technology? Because, um, you know, it's like 20 years later, and we have cell phones and things like that. Do you want to see that? Will you be bothered? Does it not matter either way? It To me, it doesn't really matter. If they have cell phones, computers, such more modern things, it wouldn't bother me at all. It wouldn't take away from the core narrative that's there, because those things aren't really important as far as this story goes. I guess maybe it might bother some people, but if they want to push it forward into a more modern setting, that's fine by me. It really shouldn't affect the overall story, right? The story was never contingent on when it was set. It's not a period piece where that kind of thing would be important. The story's going to be the same story if Usagi's carrying a cell phone. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, um, I thought it was really good to hear that they're going to have some sort of way of communicating with each other, and the, I hope it's something magical. That'd be nice. Um, now, uh, just to spoil myself and maybe some newbies a little bit, um, does she fight in any different way, or is it the boomerang? No, um, she gets a pretty decent series of attacks. Everyone's got their own specific a group of attacks as the series goes on, and they kind of upgrade and get new powers uh, as they learn to do more. Okay, that's really cool, because I remember vaguely, like, seeing it on TV, and, like, they all maybe summoned the boomerang thing? Like, there was, no, I remember, was like, round the only one discs. that was ever able to do that, and it kind of falls off oh. as she gets uh, more powers. Okay, yeah, maybe it was like a disc of light or something. I don't know, but that's about all I remember. But yeah, mo- is... Most of them have sort of energy-based powers, so a lot of it is hurling balls of things or at shooting arrows of things. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I'll be really excited to see the, the different um, the different ways all the powers are executed. And it's funny, um, I always feel weird with anime about how, like in the opening uh, credits, they have... Like, all these scenes. So, like, the one guy, he's not the only bad guy. Um, there have to be others, because I think they showed, like, three or four different people kind of in similar clothing with him, with, like, different colored yeah, trim. Uh, there's the four of them. Uh, the one we see in the beginning is Jadeite. Uh, I'm not sure why they didn't give him a name. And it's the four of them around Beryl, who is the, the woman in the center there that we see in the opening, who are all serving a larger malevolence, which is the big scary thing behind them. And then they're kind of our first arc villains, and we get other villains as we progress past them. Okay, cool. Um, You know, actually, something I forgot to mention fully, which I don't know how I did that, was um, one of the things I really liked about uh, 
Usagi's first fight is that Tuxedo Mask is there, and he totally just steps back and lets her do her thing. And um, I think that was really effective and powerful because it makes him... It endears... It endeared me to him, and it made her seem uh, super cool or, you know, like, more powerful because he just blithely trusts that she'll be able to handle the, the creature. Yeah, this was done really well in Crystal. Uh, in the original anime, he took a slightly more active role. But in Crystal, he just... The only purpose he serves in showing up is to introduce him there as Tuxedo Mask and to snap her out of her fear. Because you, you hear him say, like, you need to fight, and all she does is sort of turn towards him, and then it's on Luna. Luna's the one reiterating, you need to fight, this is what you should do, here's how you go attack. So it's never, he's never stepping in to save her here, which he did slightly more in the first anime. Okay, cool. Well, it sounds like a marked improvement. I'm excited to see that. Um, that's about all I think I have to say constructive on the show. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it, and I want to watch the next one, and it kind of isn't fun that I have to wait, but... Yeah, uh, I'm definitely you know, excited okay. to see more. Uh, Mercury of the Central Five is my favorite, so I'm really glad. Uh, I'm really excited to see her introduction next, because uh, that was a really good story. That was a lot of... Uh, Again, going back to what I said earlier, playing kind of on a deeper emotional level, a deeper emotional manipulation by the villains. That's cool. And she's glimpsed at the very end of the episode before the credits start, right? She's in the school? Yes, that's Ami. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I think this should be a lot of fun. Um, so, uh, ladies and gentlemen listening, if you'd like to comment on our thoughts or ask any questions, uh... You can send those to our inbox, which is trialofheroes at gmail.com, uh, or we can be reached individually. Uh, you want to go first? Uh, you can reach me individually on Twitter at SonoYourFace. And uh, me at Trial of Heroes uh, on, you know, again, on Twitter. <laughs> uh, we hope you enjoyed this show, and uh, thank you for listening. Thank you. This has been Moonspeak, bi-monthly discussion and review of Sailor Moon Crystal. Visit trialofheroes.wordpress.com to see text reviews every Monday after Crystal airs and hear new Moonspeak the Monday after that. Moonspeak is part of the Toe Network, where you can find articles of commentary on pop culture and genre fandom, including our flagship show, Uncommon Cast RX. The opening and closing is a piano arrangement of the uh, new Say the Moon Crystal song, Moon Pride, played by Josh Agarado, whose work you can find at josh.agarado.net, and also on YouTube. There's a lot of cool work there, so go ahead and check it out if you like this song, which I definitely did. And so did Sona. She introduced it to me. 